Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. Okay, guys, I am super excited to have you here on the Master Passive Income Show, and I am very, very glad that I have an expert who is actually in the military. I personally love our military. I think our militaries are fantastic. They help us to stay safe as well as secure and have our freedoms, and I'm bringing on a somebody who's actually in the military and is an investor at the same time, and he is a fantastic friend of mine. David, thank you so much for being here on the show. Dude, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited about this for sure. Yeah. So you and I, we met at a conference a number of years ago, and then we just started talking about real estate. You're in a real estate. I'm in a real estate. And as we keep talking, I remember when we first started talking, you had a few properties and you don't have, or you did not have as many properties as you have now, but being in the military and still being able to do this, as well as you're now inspiring other people in the military to do this. So your site is from military to millionaire. And you're helping people to realize that they can do this. Now, when you when you first got started in the military, did you have the aspiration of doing anything in real estate? Or is that something that kind of grew on you as you just realized that, hey, this is not something I want to do forever? Yeah. When I first joined the military, I had a lot of aspirations to uh, drink alcohol, get tattoos, <laughs> buy some cars I didn't need, maybe some guns I couldn't use anywhere because they're, you know, too much gun for the range. Um, yeah, I was terrible with money. I, I remember go, I went to Afghanistan. I came back and I, I mean, I had a pretty substantial chunk of change enough for a down payment in my market for sure on a property. And I blew it on a truck, a rifle, a couple tattoos and probably some booze and dates and, uh, <laughs> and nothing, nothing to show for it at all. Oh, I bought a Harley. I guess that was cool until I totaled it. So, yeah, man, you were, <laughs> you were living it up. <laughs> yeah. No aspirations at all. <laughs> nobody, and then you, nobody pulled me aside. Yeah. And so, I mean, going from that, because I know a lot of, a lot of people that go into the military, you know, they're, they're willing to serve and they're serving, but they don't get paid a lot of money and they don't really teach you a lot of financial education and understanding of how to spend money, how to be wise with money, all that sort of stuff. What made that switch for you where you realize, you know what, I can actually do something with my money. I can actually be responsible and make lasting wealth, like generational wealth that I can literally pass down to my kids. What made that switch and how did that come about? A friend of mine was trying to sell me on Amway to sell, you know, some multi-level marketing, uh, pyramid market, whatever, whatever the, uh, the legal term is these days, but I think it's pyramid scheme. I think that's the legal there. There there we go. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, it's (laughs) multi-level marketing is what they, what they are. Yeah. Yeah. So he was trying to get me into that. And I was like, yeah, okay. Not really my thing. He's like, well, you should read this book. Rich dad, poor dad. I'm like, ah, I don't read. And so he handed me like the CD and was like, well, you're, you drive a lot in your current job. So why don't you listen to it while you drive? So I was like, all right, fine. Like he called my bluff on not reading. So fine. I'll listen to it. And so I listened to it. And then I listened to another book in the rich dad, poor dad series. And then I listened to a book from bigger pockets. And then I listened to uh, I don't remember maybe millionaire real estate investor, uh, just a couple different real estate investing books. And next thing I know, I was my lease on my apartment was coming up at the same time that I was like reading all these books. And I was like, well, there's some sounds like there's something to this whole like buy a duplex, live in one half, rent the other half thing. I'm single. Let's see what happens. And so I moved into the uh, duplex instead. And I went from paying five fifty a month for an apartment, like a two bed, one bath apartment to having a $650 mortgage for a two bed, one bath duplex on each side. 
And then I had a tenant paying 475 on the other side. And I was like, hmm, all right, well, it now costs me 300 bucks a month less to live in this place. And I own it. And okay, this is cool. And then things just really just went from there. I mean, that just was like the light switch proof of proof of concept. And it, it was probably, yeah, it just kind of blew up from there. That first little bit of passive income is super phenomenal. And you got that passive income coming in, but you still had outlay of money. Talk to us about buying that first property where it was literally just passive income. Because I remember when I bought my first property, I still had my job. I still had a couple of businesses. My wife had, I think, two or three kids by the time. But that first property that I bought and that first check came in, I was like, it's like $380 or $381 or something like that, that it was just a blank or not blank, a, a fold out check just for me from my property manager. Cause they were the ones managing it. I don't do any work. They do all the work, but the tenants paid the property manager, the property manager paid me. I didn't do anything. And I made $381. And I thought if I can get 10 of these, that'd be $3,810. If I can get 20, if I can get 30, if I can just keep growing talks about getting that first property too. Yeah. So well, about six months later, I moved out of the duplex. The Marine Corps moved me to Hawaii. So all of a sudden I was getting checks. And and after I've made, I use the FHA loan for that property. And so I've made enough every year in cash flow to cover my entire down payment. And so that was really rewarding. But about, let's see, I bought that property early 2016, February 2017, I believe. I bought a 10 unit, which was my next, I had, a, I had my wife had a single family. We refied, we pulled some capital out of a HELOC or we didn't refi, sorry, we, we used a HELOC and we had bought like some farmland, which wasn't really an investment so much as just wanting more land for us. But then this, I was marketing for duplexes and this guy was like, well, I have a duplex, but I don't want to sell it. However, I have a 10 unit. Would you be interested in talking about a 10 unit? I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's, let's talk. And so we started talking and I asked him about seller financing. He was not really interested, but maybe a little bit interested. Anyway, long story, I got this 10 unit, 85% bank financing at five and a quarter interest rate and 10% seller financing at 4% interest rate for five years. No, no balloon, nothing. And, uh, and then I paid literally five, it was like 4.9 something percent down. It was like 10,900 bucks out of pocket for a 200. Well, a property that he was asking 250, I got it for 212. And then I paid 10,000, like 900 out of pocket for it. And then 18. And so the getting the check was incredible, right? Cause the first month I made like a thousand bucks off this property that cost me less than 12. And I was like, Oh man, this is, this is phenomenal. This is cool. And then about 18 months later, you know, we did a little bit of touching stuff up. We'd raise rents. We did that, this, that, and the other, and we refied. And when we refied, I paid off all the seller financing I pit and I dropped a year off the loan. So I went from a 16 year amortization to a 15 year amortization. And all of a sudden I'm like, my, my mortgage was the same size, but I'd cut out 200 and something dollars worth of uh, seller financing. But now I'm, you know, I'm paying down almost $800 a month in principal and I'm pulling in 1500 like a 1000 to $1,500 a month off this property that I am now at 70% LTV, but I don't have a single penny invested in the deal because I pulled my whole down payment out and paid off the seller financing when I refinanced. Yeah. So uh, as far as how it feels to get passive income, um, that was my first like straight investment, never lived in it property. And oh my gosh, it's just phenomenal. That is, that sounds like a terrific deal. And for everybody listening, uh, when he said LTV, David said LTV, it's loan to value. So 70% loan to value, he still has 30% equity in the property. Now, where is this property at the 10 unit? Uh, Southwest Missouri, a little town, uh, Springfield. Have you ever been there? 
Yeah. So actually, so actually, that's where I had been recruiting. So oh, um, got it, got it. I have not been there since I have not lived there since before I bought this 10 unit. I had moved away already and I'll go back there eventually. But I mean, I've seen the building and now I've seen one of the units in the building. But at the time, I'm like, hey, property manager, you want to drive by this property that I might buy? Oh, yeah. OK. <laughs> property managers are the best way to go. That's something I tell everybody. Like you make sure oh, yeah. before you even buy a property. You make sure that you have the right property manager. There's a whole bunch of things you got to do to interview right, making sure you're asking the right questions and find the right ones. Because the last thing you want is a property that's 2,000 miles away from you that you're worried to death about because your property manager sucks. <laughs> that's, that's just you want to make sure that's nailed down. Now, if I were in the military, for anybody who is listening in the military, and they, they say, you know what? I, I'm listening to David, and I listen to Dustin. I say they, they have real estate is there it because it seems like for me just being a normal employee at a job, okay, I just save some money and then start building my business, buy the right property, and after I build the business and start making money, is there anything that would be a nuance or anything about the military? Like, what are your thoughts about if you're in the military, how do you really get started investing in real estate? Well, the first thing I think you need to do is you need to understand the concept of long distance real estate investing, whether you read the the book titled long distance real estate investing or just understanding how to network with people, because if you're in the military, you will be a long distance real estate investor at some point. If you if you do like me and you buy your first house in your own backyard because you're in Springfield and you're like, oh, I'm buying this duplex. Well, guess what? You're going to move. And if you're not like me and you don't like the market you live in, then you're going to have to buy. So like no matter what. I mean, I've got a friend who self-manages and he has three properties in North Carolina, one property in Texas and two in San Diego. And I'm like, oh, good for you, self-managing, but no way. Nope, couldn't pay me. So I think what you said about property manager is key, right? I, I think building that team, so understanding how to like how to vet a good property manager, how to vet a decent agent, how to vet uh, local community banks and possible lenders, how to vet... I mean, contractors are good, but if you have a really good property manager, they probably have their finger on that already for you. And just getting that piece together because you're ultimately going to be a long distance investor. So you need to focus on building the team so that you can be okay. That being said, if you understand that concept, that'll kind of get it out of your head that long distance is scary because yeah, it's a little scary, but it can be done. Um, We have this incredible thing though, that if you are anywhere where the market makes sense, it's called the VA loan. And if you don't have any money to get started in real estate investing and you want to get started in real estate investing, you don't have to have money. You can, so it's, it's, it's federally backed. It's got no limit anymore on the first purchase as of 2000, as of, as of January 1st this year, there's no limit. Oh my goodness. And what I mean by, when I say no limit, I mean like no limit. If, if there is a limit on it, it's an overlay from the bank. I, I have a sergeant that's a friend of mine out here in San Diego who bought a $1.23 million uh, fourplex and it's all three bed, one bath or three bed, two bath. I think it's a mix. And he lives in one of the units, rents out two of the rooms and then rents out the other three rooms. And he makes 600 bucks a month to live in this house. And he got a, it, it wasn't much, but he got a, he got like a, uh, I think it was like a $60 check or maybe a $600 check. I don't know. He got less than a thousand bucks, but he got a check at closing. So he didn't bring a penny to closing. <laughs> he it. got a small check cut back to him. And he's got this property that actually appraised a little bit over. So he's got a little bit of equity in it. And it does not cash flow much, right? For a for a $1.2 million property, 600 bucks is not a whole lot of leeway. But he gets $3,000 a month as a housing allowance. So he might not be cash flowing, but he's saving a $3,000 tax, tax exempt allowance that we get in San Diego. And so 
And that's not 3000 in every market, but it is here. And so he gets this $3,000 a month allowance that he just stashes away and calls cash flow. And then he's paying off like $2,800 a month in principle. And then he's living for free and he's going to be here for three years. And when he moves, if it appreciates, great. If it doesn't appreciate, whatever. But if he rents that third unit out fully, he'll end up getting about 1500 bucks a month in cash flow, 12 to 1500 bucks a month in cash flow. And he did that without a penny. And that's like, that's like the big like home run huge deal but you can do that in almost any market you can find a property with an adu or a duplex wait wait so so you're you're good at using abbreviations spell out the abbreviations (laughs) uh additional dwelling unit so a uh like a mother-in-law suite or uh maybe a small guest house or um even just like a garage that you shut off and you know can turn into a rental there's there's a lot of different ways that you can work it to where you can do kind of the house hack which I think is just an incredible strategy for service members. And the only reason that I showed the million dollar deal or told the million dollar deal is because every time I use my example of a duplex, someone's like, well, that doesn't work in my market. It's too expensive. Well, it's a percentage thing, right? If the rent equals this percent of this and the expenses, like it doesn't matter if it's a hundred thousand dollar home or a million dollar home. It's how do the percentages work and how does the overall income work with the expenses it's, it's, yeah, it's a different ball game in an expensive market, but it's totally possible. And so I say all that just to say, understand long distance investing, but if you're in a market that makes sense, you're going to be there for a little while. You can absolutely use your VA loan and walk into a property with zero down. And then what you can do is you, you learn how to be a landlord or at least how the process works because you've got to, if, even if you use a property manager, you're at least somewhat involved. If, at least if you live there, you are. And then you cut your living expenses so you can save more money for more investments later you're saving your housing allowance so you can save even more money for more investments later. So you can really jumpstart getting that down payment for your next house and all this while under like not having to come out of pocket, but psychologically buying like a house hack or, or something like that is so much easier than buying a long distance investment for your first property because everybody wants to buy like growing up. You're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to buy a house someday. Well, that's all you're doing. You're buying a house that just so happens to have other people that live in it and pay you as opposed to, you know, throwing money across the country at a property you've never seen is somewhat nerve wracking if you've never bought a house before. But if you buy that, you know, so all that to say, uh, that's the nuance for service members. That's the piece, right? Is that we can get in, we might not get paid a million dollars, but we have the ability to legitimately get into a house zero down. And actually you can walk away with cash that might work as a great investment. And there's some risk that comes with being hyper leveraged like that. So you got to be smart with your finances. You need to have reserves. You know, there's all those caveats. But for the most part, there is no better loan product for a home buyer. So I would absolutely agree. The VA loan is phenomenal. Any service member that comes to me and says, hey, can you show me how to invest in real estate? I say, absolutely. In fact, we're going to use a VA loan. We're definitely going to use that. And if I were in the military and I was starting all over again, I would absolutely, wherever I was stationed, I would be buying houses. Now, when I buy a house, it's very hard for me to sell it because I make so much money from every single property. So I just keep accumulating. Like people might collect watches or collect cars if they have a lot of money. I collect houses and I just keep the houses and they make me more money. And so if I were to get started, I would literally do that every single place I move to. In fact, even just as a normal you know, civilian, whenever I move into a new house, I keep my current house because I know what to buy it right. I know, okay, if I'm buying this, will I be able to rent out in the future? Make sure that I'm buying it low enough to I get it capture the equity in the in the property. 
I can also get passive income when I do move out. I always make sure that comes that comes to comes true. And so I would always keep buying and then moving, buying and moving, and just hold on to that. That's great inventory. Now, with the there is a couple of things you said in there, but I want definitely want to touch on the VA loan. Now, the VA loan is only for if you personally live in that house to start. Correct? Is there like a time frame or anything like that? Yeah the the clause says you have to intend to occupy the house within sixty days of closing. Now. There are stipulations where, you know, you might intend to move it to live in it. So, for example, my buddy was getting out of the military. He was planning to move to Louisiana and 30 days after he was getting out of the, or after he closed the home. And then as he's getting out of the military, he gets this incredible job offer out here in San Diego that he just cannot turn down. Um, and so he ended up, you know, he didn't end up occupying the house and, but, and that's kind of gray area. Like he intended to occupy it, but, but the main reason that that happens is for service members. Like I have a buddy who just bought a house in San Diego on his way here and then his orders changed. And so he's never going to live in the house. Right. Like, and that was not by design. That was not by intent. And there's nothing he can do. Like not going to get in trouble. So he's going to have this VA loan home that he never lived in. And he can really realistically, you can go use the VA loan elsewhere because now he's getting stationed there. Um, so you might say he lucked out, but you might also be kind of sketched to, you know, hope he bought the house, right? Because, you know, like you said, you want to buy it as an investment. So hopefully that's the case. Uh, he did, but, um, generally speaking, yeah, you need to intend to occupy it within 60 days. And then for a reasonable amount of time, like a year, but they understand if you get orders somewhere else, um, if you move over 50 miles away, you know, there, there's, there's stipulations in there where no one's going to come after you as long as you're not like blatantly trying to do mortgage fraud. And there's actually, now this is kind of, I say this and I say it knowing that it's shut down right now. The VA has closed this out because they want to let appraisers into houses, but people don't realize the VA actually has a, a renovation loan, just like the 203k. And so it's actually, it's actually, uh, you know, if you went, left, you know, side by side, I think the VA renovation loan is actually better than the FHA 203k. And uh, same thing, right? You can buy a house that needs work with zero down, get it renovated by a VA contractor. And then you have to be able to move in once it's like within 30 days of it being completely renovated. Um, everyone's vetted in the process. And it'll let you do things like a swimming pool. And like it's, <laughs> it's got some pretty interesting things you can do with it. And yeah, so it's, uh, there's some really cool opportunities out there with the VA loan that people just don't understand. Uh, and the other thing that's incredible about the VA loan is the EARL or the interest rate reduction refinance loan, or also some people just call it VA re streamline refinance. 210 days after you buy property, you can execute this. And it's literally just like, just, it's a refi, but it's, you don't have to pull another appraisal. You can do it on an investment property. It's just, it, it, it's only allowed if you can recoup the costs of closing the loan in within 36 months via how much you save on the property. But like right now where people are getting 2.75s all day on interest, if you had a 3.5 and you use this property, you can just no credit pull, nothing, no income, no proof of income, no anything. They assume you, since you qualified for it the first time, you qualify for it now. And it's just the filing a little bit of paperwork and a simple process to roll into a 2.75. And it's awesome. Wow. That is amazing. Now, there's no PMI on it. You know, the principal mortgage insurance. No. You don't have that. Is that correct? Correct. The oh, only wow. thing they have is a funding fee, which is, uh, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to quote this. I think it's 2.3 to 3.6 now with the new uh, guidelines that's rolled into the loan. But there's no upfront uh, mortgage insurance premium like there is with FHA. 
Um, the PMI is not there and the FHA is much, 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 much cheaper. I mean, even if you go with like the 3.6% added to the loan, it comes out to like, I did the math once I forget, but I mean, it's a fraction of how much PMI costs on the loan. And if you have exited the military and filed for a veteran affairs disability claim, if you rate 10% disability, which realistically is, is pretty common when service members get out, at least over the last decade, because there were a lot of people who, you know, went and saw something or did something and had an injury that 10% is not a very hard mark to hit. And so if you're 10% disabled or not, that fee is completely waived. And so then there's, yeah, there's no PMI, no, no mortgage insurance of any sort and no funding fees. So at that point, it's uh, just a completely unstoppable and generally a better rate. Wow. That's, that sounds brilliant to be able to utilize this. And I think it's a great thing that our government is actually able to do this to help service members. I mean, shoot, you guys are out there protecting us. And at the same time, we need to be able to take care of you. Now, with the VA loan, what would is it comparable to like an FHA as far as rate? And the other question, can you have more than one VA loan at a time? Like you buy one house, VA loan. Oh, I moved. I could buy another one of the VA and they both are a VA loan. So the rates and then how many you can have at one time. I hesitate to speak on rate. I want to say the VA loan and the FHA are fairly comparable there. The VA loan might actually be, I don't know. It might be a little bit better. I, I don't want to, I don't, don't quote me on that. I know it's very, very, very competitive for rates Uh, right now. I'm seeing, well, I shoot, I've heard of a buddy or two get two and a quarter right now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't seen paperwork on any of that. So who knows? And you know, that might not be, uh, that might not be APR. That might be quote minus fees. I don't know. Um, but I know for a fact, my roommate has locked uh, 2.75 a, at least a dozen times in the last two months. Did you say um, a dozen times? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's it's been very, very, very common. 2.75 if your finances are on check, especially on like the Earl, the refinance loan. And he's been able and, and people think the VA loan is not competitive at all because there's just a bad rep. The problem is there are companies out there who are really good marketers and much better marketers than there are lenders. And so there's some VA lenders that are just not that great. But uh, well, I'll just shout his company out. Cross Country is where he works. And I have seen them close 21-day VA loans uh, like at least four times in the last 30 days. And one of those was a million-dollar loan. So you know, pretty, pretty hard That's to good beat, you know, yeah. Yeah. For, for somebody to tell me, Oh, the VA loan is not competitive. I'm like, really? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, cause I would argue it VA being a military buyer when COVID first hit made you more competitive because they knew your job was staying around. You weren't going to get laid off. You, the, the government is backing the loan. Like to me, that makes you a more secure buyer than people in March who didn't know if they were going to have a job. Um, so that was the rate. The other question I completely drew a blank blank. I'm sorry. So how many VA loans can you have at one time? Uh, I should have known that. that. Uh, multiple, but not not like three or four. You can do a second one. And then after, uh, I want to make sure I don't get this completely wrong. After the second one, you would need to either refinance out of the first one if you wanted to use a third one or sell it and then recoup your eligibility. But the first one has no limit. The second one would have a limit as far as uh, kind of like what the old ones use, which varies by zip code. The average, I think, across the nation is like 520 would be the limit. And then anything over that, you pay 25% down. So if you bought a, mm. if the limit was 500 and you bought a $600,000 house, you would need the 25% of the 100 over to buy. But still way better than a normal loan. Um, but you can always just, if you refinance or sell the first property, refinance into a conventional or sell the first property, then you recoup that eligibility and you can 
do the same thing. No, that's so. the exact same thing that I would do, or I encourage everybody to do with an FHA loan. If you're getting in with an FHA loan within, at, you know, there's a seasoning period. So about six months, then you can have a bank refinance to get it out of that FHA. Obviously, if you're living in it, you need to live in it for a year that it's supposed to, and then refinance it. Then you don't have to live it anymore, as well as you have another FHA loan slot, basically, like right. you can buy another house with an FHA loan, which is phenomenal and be able basically be able to use a VA loan to get property after property. And if you're stationed, you know, over and over again, if you're moving around, you can hopefully, if you do it right, accumulate property after property. And I love what you said at the beginning, David, was if you need to be okay with investing far away from you, like you can't be in your backyard because at some point you will move. And it's just out with military. You're eventually going to move. You're going to need to make sure that you also have the room in the budget for a property manager, um, you know, it, expenses that just would come up. And we talk all about expenses of what you need to have as well. But if you, uh, if you go, go with that perspective, you can accumulate property after property. Now, from here, as we wanted to scale, let's say we got our first property, bought the first property in BA loan, and we got moved and stationed someplace else. And we knew how to buy it right. We buy the first properties, passive income, making cash flow. We've got a second property and we're starting to do that. And we're realizing, you know what? I really like this. I like this passive income. I want to scale now. I want to grow up what, and get more. What will we do in the, as being in the military? Is there any nuances that we should look at? I think at that point, it's less about the military and more about the team and partnerships and just your finances, right? At that, at that point, it kind of blends. There's not, you know, the VA loan is no longer a specialty as you're scaling and buying investment properties. Now, there are some interesting like business type loans that, but those are, that's a whole different segment of, of real estate, right? That's, you know, you're talking commercial properties and stuff and there's some, some interesting stuff in there, but, uh, I'm not versed on it enough, um, as I haven't been able to do it yet. Um, uh, I think at that point, it really comes down to the fact that there's some distinct advantages that service members have about, you know, having a steady paycheck, being decisive and being able to be team players where I think at that point, you're biggest bet is to just find some other people, whether service members or not, start building a team and working on, I mean, you can tackle stuff yourself or you can tackle stuff with a team. You know, it's totally up to you. I've done both. I I have some partnership deals. I have some syndication deals. I have some solo deals. And I think at that point, it's just refining your business plan and understanding that don't grow into your, uh, into your income. Don't, don't increase your expenses at all. And if you're, first house hack is paying you and your second house hack is letting you live for almost free. And then on top of that, you got your housing allowance. Like you have enough capital to take down two or three deals a year, depending on your market. Because like for me out here in San Diego, I'm getting $3,185 a month for my housing allowance. And then between Airbnb and a roommate, I am, uh, that's 2,400. So I'm, and my mortgage is in math and public. I'm paying like 900 bucks out of pocket to live. So I've got $2,285 every month. That's not taxed that I can roll into an investment fund on top of what I was already saving on top of cash flow. on top. I mean, I'm able to theoretically at that rate, I can buy two properties a year with full 20% down payments off of where I'm at right now. And that's just from limiting my expenses and, you know, reusing the cash flow, And that's not even including the uh, five grand or six grand or whatever that the IRS has owed me since uh, March, because apparently people aren't getting tax returns this year. I don't know. Um, but, you know <laughs> that's my shameless plug to whatever's going on out there. I want my money, but... <laughs> 
So if I owed them, they'd pay. They, I'd owe them interest, but I know. Oh yeah, no, money, so, no, yeah, know, no. That's, kinda... that's the way the government is. There's two things that are certain in life: death and taxes. So it's uh, yeah. always going to happen. Now, if is there anything that we would need to navigate as being in the military, like you know, our CO or like anybody else in there? Like, should we be concerned about telling people that we are buying properties and investing? Is that something that? Because I know in some other jobs, like if somebody says. Hey, you're doing something on the side. Well, we don't like that. You can't be doing something on the side. You have to be giving us 100% of your time. What are your thoughts about that? That's a very good question. And actually, it depends on what you're doing. So for like a full-fledged side hustle, there are definitely you need to get that approved by your command. Like if you wanted to go drive for Uber or in after hours, uh, you would definitely need to get that approved by your command. Technically, um, you know, me having this whole platform, it, it, not like an in writing need to be, but I had to go and tell my command like, hey, just so you guys know, I, which is kind of interesting because... I mean, people sit at home and play Call of Duty all night. I just podcast. I don't really know why that would be more destructive to my career than drinking and playing Call of Duty. But um, I think it's just a perspective thing. So it's actually funny because my boss's boss listens to my podcast. And That's so awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that. But like one day he was just like, hey, like yelling down the hall. He's like, I, I was listening to your show the other day. That's awesome. And they're like, oh, <laughs> thanks, sir. Like, yeah, you – and he was like asking me about how to start a podcast and stuff. So I'm pretty much good at work, but I think the best advice on that is just make, just make sure it doesn't interfere. Like understand that the military is still your primary job. So, mm -hmm. you know, work on this at night, work on this in the morning, work on it during lunch. There is, if, if I can buy rental properties and run an entire online platform around my Marine Corps career. And, and I know that I'm not interfering because I work in a vault. So I don't even have a cell phone allowed in the building I work in. So it's like I'm legitimately incapable of working on real estate while I'm at work. So if I'm able to do all this, you are. And I think the nuance there is just understanding that Uncle Sam owns you. And, you know, we, we know that. So just make sure you use your time wisely. I love it, man. Oh, so... Dave, you give us so much great insights. Is there anything we might need to know going from military to millionaire? Is there anything else we should, I guess, watch out for or understand? Well, I'm a huge fan of the thrift savings plan. We, we didn't touch on that today, but uh, the first thing I would do if you join the military or when you join the military is maybe not max out, but start putting money in your thrift savings plan, which is our TSP, which is our 401k. And it's unbeatable as far as fees. And with the new retirement, the government will match the first 5%. So at least contribute 5% because that's an instant 100% ROI, which as much as I love real estate, I don't know very often how, or how often I can put $150 into my house and have it give me 300 back, you know, so, um, and instantly, definitely there's equity plays. There's all kinds of ways to make that work, but, uh, for a guaranteed tax deferred or tax advantaged account thing, you know, I, I recommend contributing to that. But I think the first thing I would say, like for getting into the military, if you want to get wealthy, when you first join the military, you almost immediately attain some level of financial freedom. Your, your housing is covered. Your food is covered. Your medical is covered. Your dental is covered. Your, I mean, legitimately, you if you didn't have debt before you joined, and especially if you're a youngster and you didn't even have a car, like you don't have any expenses. So don't create them. Start learning and start educating. You're going to have downtime when you're training. You can bring a book or like if you're stuck in a helicopter, which is actually fun, but flying around in a helicopter, like going somewhere training, bring a book. Like you will have time while you're getting paid to not like actively be doing anything. Bring a book, read, learn, and don't grow into your income. And then when the time comes to invest in real estate, you'll be much better positioned that people talk about how the military doesn't get paid a whole lot. 
I, I like to argue that point a lot with people because if you really break it down, I would need to make, I, I did the math like two days ago. I would need to make 136,000, I think to equate to the same post tax that I'm wow. making right now Yeah, because only 42,000 or 46,000 of my income is taxed. The other, the remainder, like my housing allowance isn't taxed. My food allowance isn't taxed. My medical is not taxed. My dental is not taxed. My, you know, so like you start factoring all that stuff in to live the exact same lifestyle I'm living right now. I would need to bring in a pretty substantial amount of money. Now granted, I've been at this for 12 years, but my whole point there being, you might think the military doesn't make any money, but as an 18 year old getting, even if it's just $30,000 a year and having all these benefits, you're pretty far ahead of the kid who spent a hundred grand to go to college. It's so, so much better. Smart. Yeah. If you're smart, just don't add those expenses and you can absolutely crush it. So what branch of the military are you in? I'm in the Marine Corps. Marines. Yeah. I know I don't, I know I'm subdued. I'm being nice and stuff on your podcast, so I might not appear that way, but <laughs> <laughs> I, so my wife, so it was just between me and you talk and everybody else is listening to this, but my wife, uh, she, she worked for USAA, the, the bank, the, the, yeah. you know, they help I out military know. and stuff. Uh, anyways, so they, they're, she always thought she was going to marry somebody that's in the military. And then when she found me, she's like, Oh, she got let down. I was like, well, sorry, babe. That's just the way it is. But you're wearing um, a grunt style t-shirt. There so you go. Exactly. Basically, you know, next best thing. <laughs> next best thing. Hey, David. <laughs> You're awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on. How can somebody find you? I know you got a podcast. You definitely got a great YouTube channel. How can they find you and consume more of your great information? Yeah, it's the Military Millionaire Podcast, and we're on every platform. But really, if you uh, just look up Military Millionaire, Military Millionaire on any platform, and I'm in there. David, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time, and I th- I learned a ton. I know everybody else did, so thank you so much for being on. Dude, thanks for having me. This is a blast. All right, man. We'll see you.